Hey, welcome to New Community Elkins Podcast. I'm the pastor, Bobby Benavides, and I am excited to have you with us. I hope you enjoy what you hear. I hope it encourages you and keeps you moving forward in your journey with Jesus. Enjoy the message. Um, we are stepping into the last message of our First Timothy series, our series of talks that um, we've been doing on the book of First Timothy. It's pretty... I don't know why I had to explain that, but there you go. That's what I had to do right there. Um, but again, for, uh, welcome. Good morning, uh, New Community Church Elkins. We're excited to be here. Uh, if you are new to this, I am uh, Bobby Benavides. I'm the lead pastor here at uh, uh, New Community Elkins, and we are doing our online service because we cannot meet yet in person. So um, we are hoping to hear some news about that soon, and we will be keeping you updated as, as we go along. Um well, again, we're stepping into the last part of First Timothy. So if you've been with us, awesome. If not, let me go ahead and give you a little bit of an idea of what's going on with First Timothy. So First Timothy is a letter written by the Apostle Paul, written to Timothy at the church, church of Ephesus. Now, the Church of Ephesus is a church that has been placed into the Greek culture, that um, you have a mixture of all people kind of coming into this uh, church body, a uh, group of people who have different ideas coming from different backgrounds, um, different uh, philosophies, different understandings. So you have the Jewish tradition that's kind of coming into the Christian tradition, the the Gentile Christians, the people who were not Jewish who um, have come into Christianity. But then you have the Greek culture that's kind of working in its mix as well. So people are trying to wrestle through what do we believe, right? How do we believe? What do we stand for? How do we walk in this world? How do we how do we actually be the church? And so Paul, uh, kind of being a father figure to Timothy, so Daddy Paul writes this letter to his son Timothy, basically, and says, hey, look, I want you to guide the church this way. This is how it's going to be led. So he defines leadership in the, in the um, first couple chapters. And then he kind of says, and this is what the church should be. Now, the letter isn't just for Timothy, and we have to understand that. The, church, the letter was directed to Timothy, but it wasn't just for him because when he got the letter, he read it to the entire church. So everybody in the church was hearing what Paul was writing, and they were embracing what he was, what he was saying. And so we have gone through this whole process of hearing him say, this is how widows should be treated. This is how uh, fathers and daughters and husbands and wives should be treated. This is how... Uh, the elders of the church should be leading, and this is what it means to be an actual pastor or or uh, deacon or teacher uh, in the church. And so he kind of lays it all out. And now we come into chapter 6, the culmination of it all, right? This is how he ends it because he wants to kind of say, look, this is what I would like for you to understand, church leaders. But now, we touched on this a couple weeks ago, the understanding that when he was speaking to the church when he's writing this letter. He wasn't just, again, not just for the teachers, not just for the leaders, but for the entire church to embrace the fact that they are a part of leadership, that they have a role to play in the kingdom. So every single person who's in the church is representing the body, representing the church. So it's not just up to the pastor to be the one who demonstrates faith. It's not just up to the pastor to demonstrate the love for Jesus. The entire church after it's it's a it's a Sunday through Saturday thing that you are living a life that is worthy of the kingdom that you're pointing to Jesus and that you're pointing to something bigger and that you're living for something greater than yourself because again the Greek culture was all about 
themselves. It's all about how do they get to be um, enlightened? How do they get to be uh, wealthy? How do they live in this um, open mind state and where they can be whoever they want to be? And so it was all about an individual effort. And what Paul was writing to Ephesus saying, look, yes, it's an individual relationship with Jesus, but once you get into that relationship with Jesus, you are now a part of something bigger, the church, capital C, that's supposed to be impacting and influencing the world for something greater. But if you just rest in your own relationship and you don't see that it's necessary to represent the entire church, the bride of Christ is what Jesus actually refers to it as, that if we miss that point, we're really lacking in our faith journey. So we come to chapter 6. And so before we go into chapter 6 and start reading, I'm going to go ahead and pray for us. Let's pray. Father God, thank you again for this morning. God, thank you for this letter that Paul wrote to Timothy. God, thank you for the people who have done the studying to, to teach um, what is actually being said in these words. Because Father, Paul has written some powerful words to, to leadership in the church, but to the church as a whole. And God, we have to embrace those words and we have to live for those words as representatives of you in this world. So God, lead us, guide us, teach us today. In the name of your son, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. So we're going to go into um, chapter 6, uh, beginning in verse 1. We're going to actually be reading uh, several verses, and I'm going to stop and then kind of talk about basically what I've been doing all this time. But we're going to go ahead and keep um, doing this here. So here's verses 1 through 2. So now... Um, again, let's go ahead and do a little bit of background before we get into what well, you're reading it probably right now. I'll read it. Let all who are under a yoke as bondservants regard their own masters as worthy of all honor, so that the name of God and the teaching may not be reviled. Those who have believing masters must not be disrespectful on the ground that they are brothers. Rather, they must serve all the better, since those who benefit by their good service are believers and beloved. Now, Okay, let's go ahead and bounce back because, again, when uh, Paul, in the um, chapter before, because when the letter came, it was just a great letter, right? For us, we get chapters, we get verses. That's not how they got it. So when they read it, it was just a giant letter. Now, before, when Paul was speaking, he was talking about how we're supposed to love our, you know, love each other and, and care for the widows, care for those who are in need and that kind of thing. And so now he's kind of moving this into, look, if you are under um, being a bondservant in Yes, he's referring to people who are enslaved at this moment. He's like, look, when you're in this, regard their own, regard your masters as worthy of all honor, okay? Um, so that the name of God and the teaching may not be reviled. Now, in no way, shape, or form was Paul condoning slavery, okay? Because this is what has happened in the past, is that people have read this and look, the Bible is okay with this. No. I'm going to just be like, stop. Don't even think that. But what he's saying is in that culture, what was happening is that this is where it was. And so now if you have become, if you are a bondservant, if you are in this position and you are a believer, if you've come to know who Jesus is, now unfortunately this is just what we're, this is the situation we're in. But now when you're in this position, right, you're still supposed to love people. And so you're supposed to serve in a way that honors God. And you're supposed to serve in that way that hopefully, you know, God, God could be seen through you. But now those who have believing masters Right? must not be disrespectful on the ground that they are brothers. Rather, they must serve all the better, right? You're supposed to serve your brothers even even more with love and, 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 and you know, honest servitude. Now, 
in this moment too, we have to kind of get our minds wrapped around what's happening in this moment. Um, the, the slavery that we have envisioned from what we've been seeing talk, spoken about in recent time, in recent days, um, is not necessarily the same kind of what we'll see here. Um, so you you got to understand that in this time, the, the bond servants, they were, they were not necessarily treated great, but they were at least um, a part of the table, right? A part of the family, a part of kind of being a part of things there. They weren't, they weren't in a, in a horrible state. Now that's just, that's just what it is. Okay. So that's where it's at there. Um, so he's basically saying though, in your position where you're at, honor who you're working for, honor who you're living for, honor the fact that everything that you do should be glorifying to God. So in whatever position you're in, this is where we still have to find ourselves honoring God. And we honor God with our actions, with our words, and the way that we love each other, even if we have people who don't love us back. Even if we have people who don't treat us well, we are still supposed to honor God with our words, our actions, our love for Him, right? That's difficult, I'm sure, at times. So then we go into the actual ending of this section of Scripture. Because now he says... In verse three, he says to um, he says to Timothy, he says, "Look, teach and urge these things." Now, when he says teach and urge these things, he's not just referring to the um, what he just wrote about uh, people in their bond servant role. He's actually saying, "Look, this entire letter, everything that you've read, teach and urge these things." Because if anyone teaches a different doctrine, and does not agree with the sound words of our Lord Jesus Christ and the teaching that accords with godliness. He is puffed up with conceit and understands nothing. He has an unhealthy craving for controversy and for quarrels about words which produce envy, dissension, slander, evil, suspicions, and constant friction among people who are depraved in mind and deprived of the truth, imagining that godliness is a means of gain. He goes on, but godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world, and we cannot take anything out of the world. But if we have food and clothing, with these we will be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evils." It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. Okay, so let's go ahead and go over all this because it's a lot that's said there. So ultimately, what Paul is kind of saying in this time is, look, there are some leaders in this area, right, in Ephesus, who are really manipulating Scripture. They're actually manipulating the name of Jesus Christ for their personal gain. They're trying to uh, become the greatest. They're trying to become the, the, the leader above all leaders, right? They're trying to be the ones who everybody longs for, but they're also getting the monetary gain, right? They're filling their pockets. They're celebrating the, 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 um, the material items of life, and they're expecting God, like, hey, look, if I live in this godly way, then I'm going to be getting what God what I deserve from God because I'm living for God. So it's ultimately, you're, you're, you're doing everything for God in order to get something. 
And they're not satisfied with what God has already given them, what we should be satisfied with and what God has already given to us, which is eternal life through his son, Jesus Christ, right? That is, that is the ultimate gain of all gains, right? We have received eternal life through Jesus Christ. He came, he died on the cross, he rose again so we could have life because we were dying. And without him doing that, we would not be able to continue living with him in eternity. That is what the purpose of Jesus, that is, that is who Jesus was, is, and always will be. He is our Savior. He is the one who came so we could be with God forever. But for some who are leading in this time, and I mean even some who are leading now, have a tendency to expect God to give them more because they're for some reason, because, you know, they know how to pray well, or they know how to speak well, or they know how to read the Bible and translate it, and they can, you know, it's like whatever, they, they expect these things, and this is what's happening, and saying, look, look, if you do that, these people who are doing that, they become arrogant and conceited, and when you start to challenge them, they will start to create controversy and quarrels. They can't handle being challenged. They can't handle pushback because they want to be the greatest. And because once somebody starts saying, well, maybe you don't really have this right. Maybe you're really not the best at this. Or maybe you're not understanding scripture correctly. Or you know what? Maybe you shouldn't be taking so much money. <laughs> or maybe you shouldn't be living this extravagant lifestyle. Or maybe you... So all these things are saying like, look, this whole idea, that, like this is what can happen. And he lists out the five things that, that can occur when people kind of start getting caught up in who they are, in their greatness. And now this kind of comes into not just leaders, but again, the entire church, is that sometimes we get really caught up in how awesome we are. And when we have people who kind of come in and knock us down, we get a little bit, um, I don't know, challenged, rough, our feathers get ruffled, we want to we wanna fight back, um, or we, we start creating rumors and, and create the suspicions. And so he lays out, like, envy comes, right? Envy comes because we start seeing people who might be better than us. So we start getting a little bit frustrated with that. And so then strife, we start kind of creating a, a, a battle that's not even necessary, a battle that is completely unnecessary because some there are going to be people who are better than we are. And if we're just content with who we are, then we won't be bothered by that. But then we start creating strife, and, and then we start kind of slandering. And we start saying, well, this person's doing this. And, and so some people actually have taken it and say, like, look, they, they start calling people, um, uh, just basically they start referring to them as hypocrites, or even they start saying that they're um, basically blasphemous and, and they're, they're, they're causing problems in the church and they start making all these rumors up and then it creates suspicions of do these people are these people really followers of Christ or are they not and then they start making up these these things inside their head about them and it's it's horrible we've seen this happen today right now there are people who are completely false teachers and, and I'm not going to go into that I'm not going to lay out a list right because that's ridiculous but there are people who do teach false doctrine and there's people who follow them but we have to listen to what's being said here is that when these people who are leading the church or leading in a way that's supposed to represent Christ and it creates more controversy and more quarrels and they're not really being people who are leading towards peace, leading towards love, but creating more controversy and quarrels, then maybe, possibly, their mind has been deprived of the truth. 
because now they're starting to think about their game, right? The more quarrel they, more quarrels they create, more controversy they create, more people will listen to them. So for some reason, we, we, we kind of crave controversy, right? It's weird. I don't know about you, but I've been noticing that a lot lately. I feel like people have been really buying into a lot of uh, controversies, a lot of conspiracies, a lot of things that, that create more harm than good. Things that might not necessarily be founded on any truth whatsoever, but because somebody has posted it and made a meme about it, it's got to be true, right? Um, there's things that we have to be aware of that some people love to feed off of the evil suspicions. And the enemy loves when we buy in the evil suspicions and controversies. Because then our minds get clouded and we can't listen to truth. So we've got to be aware of what's coming into our minds and what we're buying into because that can deprive us of the truth and we become depraved, right? And the thing is, too, when we talk about gain, like people are gaining a bunch of likes and a bunch of shares and, man, they go viral and they celebrate the fact that we have over 43 million shares of a thing that's not even true, but people have bought into it. I don't know. It's crazy. But the reality of it is, too, is that when it comes down to this section of Scripture, when he says, for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evils, right? We fall into this temptation because we want to be lifted up. We want the money. We want, And money could just be any kind of material thing, really. I mean, right here it's referring to literal money, but we got to think about it in a, in a grander scheme for us, especially when we think about what we're really longing for. We're longing for those viral moments, and, and sometimes it creates a it creates more controversy, more separation, more uh, more harm than good, right? But we need to be content because godliness with contentment is great gain. Right? Contentment is a virtue. Yeah, we need to be honoring what God has already given to us and be okay with what God has already given to us because there's a purpose for it. There's a purpose for it. He wants us to live in a way that we remember that he should be enough. We shouldn't need these things to make us feel better. We shouldn't need these things to make us feel like we've we've discovered something brand new or you know because a lot because this is where we're at. We got to understand that God has given us all the insight we need through his word and through his son to be embraced by him. And so when it comes to thinking of like different ways to to distort the truth and to to make controversy, it's like he's saying no, be content. Don't strive for worldly gain. Don't strive for worldly possessions. It's not wrong to have them. It's not wrong to say, like, man, I, I would like a bigger TV. It's not wrong to say, oh, I'd like... But when it becomes something that controls you, and that is all you hunger for, you can't just settle for what you have and be content with what you have. You always have to have more. You're being corrupted. He's given us enough. He's given us enough, and we have to be willing to accept that. So then he goes on, Paul writes, But as for you, O man of God, flee these things. Pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, gentleness. Fight the good fight of the faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called and about which you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. I charge you in the presence of God who gives life to all things and of Christ Jesus who in his testimony before Pontius Pilate made the good confession 
to keep the commandment unstained and free from reproach until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, which he will display at the proper time. He who is the blessed and only sovereign, the King of kings and Lord of lords, who alone has immortality, who dwells in unapproachable light, whom no one has ever seen or can see, to him be honor and eternal dominion. Amen. So now, <laughs> this is really gets good because Paul is writing exactly right now. He's writing to, oh man of God, this is just a, a, a thing that's being said, not just to Timothy, but to all people who, who, who confess that Jesus is Lord and Savior. Look, pursue righteousness. Pursue what's right. Godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, gentleness, fight the good fight of faith, right? He's saying, look, guys, don't get caught up in all of this other junk. Follow the thing that lines up with Jesus' teachings. You're gonna you're gonna continue to fight over things that are that are unnecessary, that don't line up with scripture. You're gonna take words, you're gonna take um, I mean, other ideas that are man-made, and you're going to make those work and try to fight for those. But God's like, fight the fight that's worth it. Fight the good fight of the faith. Don't fight the fight that's, that's man-made that's going to fall apart in the end. Fight for what's going to be sustainable, which is eternity, which is Jesus. And so that's why we live with faith, love, steadfastness, and gentleness. We strive for people to understand who Jesus is, and sometimes we're, we are we are calm, like really making a cloud and clouding up like who Jesus is because over all these things that are unnecessary, things that he wouldn't even worry about, things that he wouldn't even be concerned about, things that even when Jesus was on this earth as a, doing his ministry, he had people trying to cloud his his teaching by asking him like, "Well, should we pay taxes?" And he's like, "Look, here's the coin, like." Whose image is on the coin? Whose image is on the coin? Caesar. Okay, well then give to Caesar what's Caesar's. Give to God what's God's. And they're like, well, you know, and nobody asked the question, well, what's God's? But he would have responded with, you are. <laughs> because you have the image of God in you. You have an image of Caesar on this coin, but you have the image of God in you. Ravi Zacharias makes a great point about this. If you ever look up some stuff about him, but Ravi Zacharias makes that point. He says, they should have asked that question. What belongs to God? You belong to God because you are the image of God. You bear the image of God. So give, give to God what is God's. That's all of you. Fight the good fight of faith, which is fighting for eternity for you and for others around you. And point to the kingdom of God that's more essential to life than anything. Don't worry about well, do I have the nicest car? Do I have the nicest stage? Do I have the nicest equipment? Do I have the nicest clothes? Do I have the, the greatest family? Do I make sure that, like, man, don't worry about that. Be content with what God has given you because ultimately what's here now will fall apart. So fight for what's worth it. Fight for what's worth it. And the fight that's worth it is for the kingdom of God. It's for the people to know the truth of Jesus Christ. And the truth of Jesus Christ is love and life everlasting. It's freedom, not captivity. It's peace. It's all about peace and joy and compassion and empathy. Love. That's who Jesus is. Yes, he was, he, he was justice. He stood for what was right, 
We are seeking righteousness. Pursue righteousness is what it says in this last bit of scripture. Pursue righteousness. Jesus was righteousness. He stood for what was right. He was just. So the woman caught in adultery, as he stands there, as she's being ready to be stoned to death, he, he cancels it all out and says, look, none of these people have the right to stone you because they've all sinned just as much as you have. And the one who has the right to condemn you is me, but I do not condemn you. Stand up, go and sin no more. Go and be without me no more. Be a follower of Christ. Live with me. That's what he was telling her. You see, that is what we should be fighting for. That is what we should be fighting for. The kingdom of God, which is peace, love, righteousness, steadfastness, faith, godliness, righteousness, that's what we should be fighting for. Not for political strife. Not for whether we should be wearing a mask or not. Right? The things that we fight over are so stupid. Excuse my, like, I'm, I'm just getting frustrated over the things that we're fighting for that have nothing to do with the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God is all about love. But all we see is hate and anger and malice and vitriol, envy, and slander all coming out on social media, all coming out right now. And when Christians should be the ones who are pursuing truth, and truth is Jesus, because that's what Jesus confessed to Pontius Pilate. Because when Pontius Pilate said, what is truth? The truth was standing right in front of him. When he asked him, if you are the king of the Jews, he said, well, do you believe that because you believe it or because other people have told you? I am who I am. My kingdom's of, not of this world. Those are the things he was saying to Pontius Pilate. And Pontius Pilate had to say, well, I find nothing wrong with you. But he still went to the cross and died for us. You see, that is what we fight for. We point to truth. We point to life everlasting. We point to the kingdom. And that is what Paul ends here with. Look, fight for what's right. And what's right can be found in Scripture. If you don't see it aligning with Scripture, maybe it's just an opinion. Maybe we really need to see what God is truly saying to us to fight for. You see, it's funny, though, because at the end of this letter, it's almost like Paul wanted to end it, and then he's like, oh, you know what? I think i got to say this really quickly because I want to make this clear. As for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God, who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. They are to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, thus storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. O oh, Timothy, guard the deposit entrusted to you. Avoid their irreverent babble and contradictions of what is falsely called knowledge. For by professing it, some have swerved from the faith. Grace be with you. See, Paul wanted to make sure that he wasn't, he didn't tell people don't, don't have money. If you have money, praise God that he's blessed you with the money. But don't hoard it for yourself. Don't get all caught up in Scrooge McDuckett, have a bunch of piles of money that you can just go swimming in, right? Don't do that. 
Be good with it. Be generous with it. Be kind with it. Do good works with what God has blessed you with. But at the end, don't get caught up in false teaching. Pursue the true knowledge of Scripture. Pursue the truth of Jesus Christ. And again, I'm going to say this. I've said this before, and I'm going to say this again, that if you hear a pastor preaching the gospel, and the gospel only translates for you or for your situation in, or in, in, in our um, United States, but it wouldn't translate in a third world country, or it wouldn't translate somewhere else, and it's only fitting for our, then we've got to be careful. Because a gospel that only translates for us is not necessarily a true gospel. Because the gospel is, is global. It's not just for our nation. It's for all people. So if the gospel that you're hearing is only for this particular place, then you might be missing the true gospel. I'm going to leave with that. Because I want us to be fighting for what's right. Fight for what's worth it. Humanity. Dignity. Grace. Kindness. Generosity. The kingdom of God. That's where our fight is. And that's what our fight is for in this world. So with that, I'm going to pray. And we'll sing. Father, thank you for this morning. God, I, I think there have been things that have not been worthy of fighting for. God, there have been things that we've caught, caught up in that have been unnecessary controversies, unnecessary squabbles over words, over things that just don't fall in line with you. And God, I just ask for your wisdom, for your forgiveness, Lord, that we can truly turn toward you and read your word and see what you really have to say about, about issues, God, and not just base it on our opinion, but what we really see you say. Because God, you speak, you speak very clearly on topics that we need to be embracing and that we need to be fighting for, God. Let us... Let us truly lean on you for wisdom, for truth, for, for the true knowledge, not for what we think is knowledge, but for true knowledge from you, God. May we listen. May we find you in everything. And may we be content. May we be content with what we have, knowing that we have eternity coming. And that should be enough. We praise you, Lord. We honor you. We seek you. In the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Thanks for listening to the New Community Elkins podcast. Um, again, I am Pastor Bobby Benavides, and I really appreciate you joining us. I hope the message was encouraging. I hope it challenged you in your journey with Jesus and moves you to a deeper relationship with your creator. Have a great week.